It's July 24th, 2014. This is The Hell Yeah Show. We're bringing you best practices for fine living, advice on how to not let technology ruin your day. Emery. Your attention specialist. Still playing The Last of Us. I've heard that you're still playing The Last of Us. Not not uh, nearly so much as I was, but uh, they had like a bunch of new DLC come out for the uh, multiplayer that I like so bad. Are and there are there people you like? Are you having no trouble finding matchmaking? Ordinarily, I'm having no problems. Nice. Um, the other night, I hit a snag. Um, mm, I can't remember what it was, but like I was in the middle of a match, and then I totally ganked some dude, and then he like rage quit and he was the host and like punted everybody and then i couldn't get into a match again for like a couple minutes and then i was bored and i just switched to uh dead space 3 <laughs> oh there you go you, you get that through uh playstation plus yeah yep. i like the idea of that game but the gameplay sucks yeah yeah well have you played dead space one or two no, but um, one of them I know used a uh, PlayStation Move, and I thought this one would too, and it oh. doesn't. Oh, huh. Uh, so, so two is is great uh, from what I hear. I haven't actually played it, but I, I hear it's um, uh, I hear it's pretty fantastic. Um, I really want to like it because the story ha- actually I'm interested. Yeah, yeah. Well, three is uh, three was criticized for a lot of stuff. Uh, chief among them having a bunch of microtransactiony stuff in it. Uh, well, I haven't really hit that yet. But what I have hit is that it's very difficult to control and like when mm. things are wailing on you it's like and i'm playing it on like wuss mode yeah so i'm like uh really a little perturbed that like i don't know it's like i i'll unload a magazine from a machine gun into some like hideous looking beast and then it doesn't go down so like i'm still like trying to reload and i'm like backpedaling and like, yeah that's part yeah. of it yeah except that uh then they start wailing on you and then if you like melee them it's not sufficient Hmm. So like you know down them and then even when they're down they keep smacking at you it's just it's a pain sure and I'm not having fun playing it when I'm in combat other I like everything else about it but yeah it's been uh ugh. and then today was exciting because uh, wait wait hold on hold on hold on oh, yeah. Last of Us oh yeah, yeah. are you so, are you not just like crazy good at the I mean you've been playing that thing pretty much nonstop since it came out right yeah well I'll tell you I'm no warlock with it. <laughs> <laughs> all right not at that level yet that's fine well no because uh games like that like um those types of games and i'll lump it in with like first person shooters even though it's not um sure i'm just not really great at them to begin with and i'm not and i'm especially not great at them on uh on consoles like i don't like the controller for that yeah i'm very much a keyboard and mouse guy when it comes to games like that so when i was playing like uh mass effect 2 on the computer it was amazing and i was like just tearing it up Yep, and then uh, playing it on the console, not so much. And uh, it's just it, it it just doesn't have the same. Uh, I don't even know how to explain it, but I, I have a hard time controlling stuff with it. And I've you know adjusted things and whatever. But in The Last of Us, I'm pretty confident with stuff a lot of the times. But there are people that are just a lot better. Just huh. like you know when I used to play Quake, and like uh, I was pretty good at Quake in campaign mode, right? Like yeah, <laughs> I could really. Uh, I, I, really, but I, I, there, I, I feel like there can't be that many people who have played 
who continue to play The Last of Us as oh, consistently as you continue to. Oh, no, no. Are there? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, all right. Yeah. All right. And there's even like, um, there's a, a subreddit on Reddit that's like uh, The Last of Us Factions, and there's tons okay. of people filtering in all the time. And there's like little groups that form up and stuff. And, I don't, and that's part of, the, part of the thing, too, is that I don't, uh, I don't often play with people I know. Um, you know, occasionally after a match, people will want to add me and then they invite me to games and stuff. But, um, usually when I'm like playing a game like that, I, I want to be able to like walk away. Yep. Yep. So, um, it's not really, uh, I, I, I think if I played with a regular group, I'd be much more competitive with it. But, um, and some of the weapons are a little more tricky than others. And for a long time, I was really focusing on the bow. Mm. So I got pretty outstanding with the bow. And then uh um and then it, it's one of those things where like if you don't keep up with it it's you kind of lose it pretty quickly. So um there's a little bit of that and uh um they added like a bunch of new abilities and stuff too. So like the talent trees all changed um and some new maps and things like that. And the way they do the multiplayer is that um you can do searches for for games that are people that aren't in groups, mm-hmm. and that can go any number of ways. Wait, oh, so the, wait, you mean like people who aren't coming in with a party of other people? Correct. Okay. Yep. Yeah. But sure. You can't do that and DLC content. Oh, that's weird. DLC content's like the country best yogurt. Yogurt. Huh. But yeah. Um. It, yeah, it's kind of annoying, and there's actually a lot of people that complain about that. But I think um, it's one of those things where. I can kind of understand why they wouldn't do it that way because you're probably going to be waiting longer. Sure. In a lot of cases, there's yeah. people that are that really serious and like get the DLC and everything. They probably play with a group, but um, so I, I sometimes will like pug DLC rep matches for a while, and uh, it's pretty good. And pug is pickup group, you know, yes, for people that don't know. And um, but yeah, it's uh, it's still pretty fun and it's it's very engaging and uh, uh, I like. I like the way that the games work. I hate the technology they use, though, on the networking side. It's terrible. <laughs> Wait, like, how so? Naughty Dog, ha- oh, Naughty Dog has no idea what they're doing. I guess, yeah, I mean, they're not... Well, they've had multiplayer in, in sure. a few and it's always games been bad. at this point. Yeah. And it's always been bad. And here's huh. why it's bad, is that they don't do infrastructure. Like, they don't yeah, do sure. server-side hosting stuff. So that's what sucks. Is like, you <laughs> and know, Sony you, like, doesn't either. <laughs> yeah, and so like when you really like just pummel someone and then they get all mad and they leave a game there's a pretty good chance that they're going to take everyone with them and that's dumb and then like there's a weird lag exploits because people that are in that game can also manipulate behavior of other things going on in a match because if you can alter the latency for um the match then you can do stuff that other people have to then pull from you know what i mean like it's just a technology thing like not everyone can be blizzard (laughs) <laughs> yeah right <laughs> you know like world of warcraft in particular is one of those things that really was astounding yep. at the time um i mean still 10 is years like, ago whatever you know, oh it's still fantastic yeah like that i think i does have it, tens does still, and hundreds of thousands of people does it still it, work on a, on a 56k modem i'm sure it does i bet it does yeah <laughs> yeah i mean that protocol is like super lean yeah, yeah we had someone when we were when we were uh rating ssc we had someone filling in they couldn't run uh they couldn't run vent or uh, um, or mumble or anything while they were sure. playing yeah. because they were playing on a modem and wow. they were fine. Like there was no problem. Yeah, that's amazing. Huh. And we had uh, and we had someone that uh, who was hearing impaired that also could never use vent, and so it wasn't really a big deal. We were already typing stuff out 
anyway. Yep. So yeah, it, it was a uh, yeah, it wasn't really a big deal, but um, I was always really surprised and uh, couldn't believe it actually. And we had someone uh, that used to play on a satellite link too, I think. Wow. Some really goofy high latency thing, and they, they were usually okay. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, it, it, to be fair, like everything in that game happens on like a half second at least, you know, cycle, right? You know, like there's. Oh yeah, like the tick timing. Yeah, yeah, you know, c- yeah. compared to a first, it's synchronized you know, and it's consistent. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, compared to a shooter, you know, like a shooter, you can't, you know, the shots are happening when they're happening, and the movement is happening in real time, and you know, I guess the movement's happening in real time in, in WoW as well. The movement in WoW doesn't matter quite as much, although it, it does for some things, and, and it does still bite you sometimes too. Like yeah, there's yeah. Uh, there's always mishaps um, yep. when server side events happen with client stuff, depending on how busy. A particular note is, but there was a. I was going to say that there are sometimes a particular where like Naughty Dog's inability to to handle this networking thing has been really frustrating, and that is uh, there's a two by four in The Last of Us, and you can mod it. You can, you like get some tape and some scissors, and <laughs> you make it into like this really gruesome thing, uh-huh. and you can basically just like one shot people with it, right? Yeah, because you, you fish hook them with this <laughs> two by four and scissors, <laughs> and. Uh, if you are like close to somebody and you're closing in on them and they just happen to there's a way that like the pathing works where if you're in the vicinity of somebody it will kind of close the gap for you. Yeah. And it, depending on latency there are times where you know you should have hit them first and they'll just crush you. Huh. And it's you know it's just a factor of uh of network latency. So and I think they're hip to that because uh one of the combos that used to be really popular was uh the machete shorty where you had like the sawed off shotgun and a machete and you would uh-huh. like uh, hit someone with a machete once and then you just quickly shoot them in the face with a sawed off shotgun <laughs> and it was yep. basically like a bam bam and uh, since it was you know two hits right off the bat like that you never really uh, there was not a lot of time to react and uh, that was a pretty popular build for a while hmm. people would like run around and just boom boom and uh, I think that was one that was like just really frustrating for people if they couldn't close distance or, or get out of the of the closing range yeah, of someone sure. with a machete that was all over um huh. but yeah i've been uh playing a little bit of that um haven't really had a whole lot of time for uh for playing games lately but um and then today with the uh os10 yosemite public beta it's the first time apple's had a public beta in a very long time really oh oh you mean it's is it public beyond even apple oh, yeah, developers yeah. anyone can go register wow huh and uh, so that's exciting. And Wait, but isn't? Uh, oh no, I guess I guess OS ten developer stuff still costs like a hundred dollars a year, doesn't it? Um, yeah, it's still super cheap. Yeah, but okay, and even but, and a lot of it's like still free if you just register. You can still get access to stuff like developer tools and things like that. Okay, but but normally the the actual the betas are normally restricted to paying developers, right? They're different trunks, right? So like, uh, uh, if you are a Mac developer most of the time you will have a developer preview release uh, and they release those on a fairly regular basis. Got it. And then um, this is, they rarely do like an actual flagged as beta build. Um, they're usually developer previews. But then in this case, they've got a build that they're sufficiently convinced is a beta quality. So there might be like one or two more before it's released. But cool. um, it's pretty slick. Um, there's only... There's only like one or two gotchas that I've noticed so far, um, but it's certainly a lot better now than it was in June. <laughs> uh, and then uh, some of the iOS 8 stuff is uh, pretty exciting too, so we'll have plenty to talk about on that as things shape up. But sure. 
the one thing in particular that I'm really digging and I can't believe I didn't talk about on the show yet is that I grabbed a Retina iPad Mini. That is so I've been considering I've been stocking them on Best Buy. Oh, on Best Buy? What? Yeah, I got I got an open box. Oh. I got huh. a cheap one. Yeah. Nice. Um yeah, I've I've been considering buying one of these for a while and have been held back by a couple things. One of which is <laughs> it feels like they might be coming out with some new ones soon. Uh, just yeah, you know, it's, it's been a while, right? I thought there would be some at uh, WWDC, right? Yeah, and so my thinking on this was um, that yes, they are probably doing it, but there was also a, a pretty big. I got at least it was at least uh, like 150 bucks off retail. Um, the one that I bought. Oh wow! Okay, and yeah. it was the uh, I want. I was thinking about getting like a big jumbo. 128 or something if i could find one but yeah uh, this was a it's either a 30 i think it's a 32 I so mean, nothing for an ipad well i guess if you're gonna like take movies on a plane or something maybe you know yeah um, but even then like because i'll get into that later but like i can get a i can get a two-hour movie down to like for an ipad i can get it down to like 600 megs sure yeah so there's um i'm not really too worried about it um so i, and then, I get, the the other thing that was that was keeping me from getting one was i actually went to an apple store to throw one out and uh, and I have a wait. So did you did you upgrade from a normal mini? No, no. So I had an iPad three Retina. Okay. Um, and I've had that for a while. But then I was thinking to myself, like, since they didn't release new ones at WWDC, I'm not going to buy a brand spanking new one. Yeah. And then even if they release one alongside whatever is expected with the iPhone soon, I'm not going to buy both. Sure. Yeah. Because that's some serious coin. Yeah. yeah. So, so I was like, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna be on an irregular update cycle with it anyway, so I don't really care. So I'll yeah. just buy one now when it's cheap and plentiful. So I, I have a I have a normal mini and um trying the, the retina mini out in the store, it was actually noticeably heavier. Um It's not, a little yeah. Yeah, not I mean it's actually I looked it up and it's not that significant, you know, in, in the, the end. The iPad but, Air is like um great for weight. For 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 the size of it, sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the but the normal iPad mini is pretty light and um yeah i could kind of notice the weight difference so it's like well between that and new ones possibly coming out i you know i've been resisting it but that's because i you know i've got a current ipad mini that i that i like a whole lot so um, so here, here's what's kind of funny though is that i have a rev a first generation ipad yeah um and that's the one that uh, that my daughter beats on when she's doing like her her alphabets and her PBS and her uh, letters and reading and stuff yep, and yep. her words. And, um, and so that's like a, a pretty durable machine. And I have like uh, some sort of screen protector on it, which is good because it's like just, you know, she smears all sorts of stuff on it. Yep. <laughs> but, um, and that's been, you know, it's a, uh, it's an older machine. It can't run anything beyond, I think iOS five or whatever. And, uh, and what's really funny is that I've noticed that like a lot of the educational software that's out there, I can. I think that the developers intentionally track with old iOS because they know that like people are giving hand me downs to their kids. Uh, wait, intentionally track is in like they're optimized they are for not necessarily optimized, but they avoid using the newer APIs. They they uh, avoid yeah. features that require newer OSs. Yep, and I think that's really smart. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and uh-huh. uh, and plus, I mean, the software is fairly simple, so most yep. of the time, and, and a lot of the features that were added were things that like you don't want the kids to be <laughs> screwing around with anyway. So <laughs> it's, uh, and I also have the iPad three Retina, and I really, really like that iPad a lot. And the one thing that I found myself doing though is whining to myself, like, oh, this thing is heavy. Like it was, it <laughs> felt heavy after yeah. an extended period of time. And when I use my iPad the most is when I am either 
in bed on the couch reading for an extended period of time. Yeah. And it was starting to like bug me that like after a while I'd be like need- needing to set it down. And yep. so I'm also reading things like while I'm walking and while I'm in meetings and stuff like that. I don't really need the full size display. And I kept the more I was thinking about it um, for most for everything, really, that I use the iPad for um, the mini is a much better size. It was uh, I don't need to like touch type on it sideways. I don't need in landscape mode. I don't Mm -hmm. need um, uh, big peripherals. I don't need um, the display and I don't need like the slightly higher color gamut or whatever that people complain about. Um, What I really need is something that I can thumb type with on the on-screen keyboard without reaching. Yeah. And I also, like, reaching, reaching. And I also need um, some more horsepower because the iPad 3 was starting to feel really pokey in software. So, um, yeah, the the Mini Retina has been fantastic. I have zero complaints with it. Cool. That's awesome. And, and, and have you... Um uh, I, one of the things I was impressed with is that the, my iPad Mini just just fits in a back jean pocket. Have you discovered that yet? Yeah, it depends on the pocket. So yeah. some some of my pants it doesn't, but then in others it does. Okay. But the uh, it tucks very easily into any of my numerous packs. Yes, yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. It's, but when it, after I got it though, since it's so easily accessible, I went ahead. And I was able to drop like just whack a ton of software from my iPhone that was just holding up space because the iPhone was easier to deal with on the bus or things like that. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, I've, uh, I'm really digging it. It's, cool. it's pretty awesome. That's and then great. I saw some really bad news about the Metropolitan Opera that it might be, uh, doing a lockout next week. Um, yeah, I, that's I, I, did not, you. I had not heard about this. I have not tuned into a Met broadcast in a while since I canceled Sirius XM. I've not tuned so into did a I. Met broadcast. So did I. They keep calling you. Uh, no, they have not. I think cause I signed up through their online flow originally or something. So I'm oh, not in their normal, man. like, I don't know. I get calls all the time. Well, did you have you had it in your car, right? I did. Yeah. See, they they think they've got you hooked because they you know, <laughs> or they think like yeah, they think you're a candidate. Me, I signed up online randomly. Like they don't even know who I am, right? Yeah. You, they've got your car in their records. They got my VIN number. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, uh, and it was funny too because like when I originally had called to cancel, it was just because it was really nice to have, uh, and I liked having it there, but. Yeah. It wasn't really something that I felt like I couldn't live without, you know? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it's funny because I, I, I haven't gotten a call from them in a while because I did tell them to just stop. Sure. I was like, enough. Um, there's nothing you can do. If you want to give me free service for the rest of my life, I might take you up on that. Might. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a, a, certain, a certain bit of that. And then uh, <laughs> somewhat related, I heard this... Uh, it was actually like a few weeks ago, but uh, there's like a 20-minute recording on SoundCloud of someone trying to leave Comcast. Not just someone. Ryan Block trying to leave Comcast. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he's super polite the entire time. And he's uh, super... He's a little... Okay, fine. I mean, like... Yeah, okay, fine. As far as I... Like, in my he's, world... He's not, he's not rude. Yeah, I, no, I, I know. He's not rude. He's just... He's, you know, he's very curt. Um, Do you know which... how fast I would have been, like, hung up on if that was me? Yeah. Like, made it to the i wouldn't have made it to the through the first 10 minutes that he <laughs> waited on before he decided to start recording sure yeah but yeah i it was hilarious and like uh the comcast management team has been apparently like you know thinking about this and it's just it's just brutal yeah <laughs> like it's a it's a really it's a difficult call because he's like i'd like to cancel my service and he's like why do you want to cancel your service he's like 
because I, I don't want it. I'm, I'm switching providers. And then the guy just keeps going to the script and he's like, well, why don't you want the fastest internet in the industry? Like, why do you want slow internet? What's the matter with you? <laughs> like that kind of attitude the entire time. And it's just like, oh, come on. And he's like, I declined to say. And he's like, well, I can't help you if you decline to say. And he's like, well, then just cancel it. And then the guy's like, you can cancel it. Any one of our convenient. Lo-. He's like, nah, it's not going to happen either. I'll, I'll probably just send like a, a messenger over with the, with the cable card. Because that was the other thing, too, is that because he had a cable card, he couldn't mail it in. Oh wow! They were, they were jerking them around on the cable card. They said, "Because you're a cable card subscriber and you don't have the box, you have to show up in a store." <laughs> and he's like, "Well, then you can't help me anyway." And he's like, "Well, no, I can. You know, I, I can process the." And it was just, it's brutal, bad, and uh, a perfect example of how not to handle that type of situation. And the guy, the, I mean, every company has like a retention department like that, right? Yep. And I've never heard anything like that. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. I listened to some bits of it. It's pretty bad. It's, I mean, it's just, oh. yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> maybe, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it works. You know, one one in every like ten calls or something. But is that really worth it? You know, I, when I had a job in high school, I, it was a uh, a retail credit card operation, and uh, we had a retention department there. And uh, usually, because I worked evenings, because I was you know a high school student, but. Um, there was like one gal in particular is, I think the department at nighttime was, uh, was pretty light. It was uh, usually just her and I can't remember her name now, but she had really long curly hair and she was like just the sweetest woman in the world. And if we had someone call in and say that they wanted to cancel their account or close their account, um, you know, we would say, uh, let me get someone to, uh, to help you out with that. And then we transfer them over to her and then she would try to save the account. Sure. Um, and if she was successful, she'd stand up and she'd ring this bell. She'd like smack a gong <laughs> above her and then we'd all be like, hooray. Yeah. And uh, uh, more often than not, she was, she was banging that gong. So they, I mean, there's a, there's a science to it, I guess. Yeah. Um, this guy certainly has no idea. <laughs> no. <laughs> and you can probably tell my allergies are still kind of rebounding on me, so. That's cool. Uh, yeah. We skipped. Uh, you got one topic in here. Your uh, your. Oh my my big dumb Bitcoin problem. Yeah, oh, this is so dumb. So I have a uh, a Bitcoin wallet, and there are a small handful of of Bitcoin in there, uh-huh. and uh, uh, en- enough enough to care. Yeah, sure. <laughs> say that. Yeah, uh, they're going for what is it like six hundred bucks each or whatever. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and uh, I would I would love to. Uh, to, to clean up on that and just be done with it. The problem is, is that I hadn't run the, uh, the Bitcoin client wallet doodad for quite a while. So like my, my entire blockchain's a little in question. Yeah. And so it's trying to constantly, if every time I run the software, it will eventually crash and <laughs> it consumes huge amounts of memory up until that point. And I don't even know like how I can get around it at this point. But I have the wallet. But the problem also is that because it is a password protected wallet, I don't know. I've tried to like oh, import no. the wallet into other clients, and like they claim ignorance. And uh, if I open the wallet in the client, it says that it's unverified or whatever. I've tried like you know removing my entire blockchain and reinitiating and all of that. But um, I am having a real bear of a time getting um, that stuff out of there. So if any of you, the dozens of listeners, have any brilliant ideas on how I can recover this, I will probably be able to make it worth your while, uh, <laughs> as long as you accept Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, there's this uh, 
this wallet and it's got some stuff in it and it is for me at least it is uh saying it's unverified because it doesn't have uh enough people that witnessed it in the blockchain available to it and i hit performance issues and it, it runs out of ram so uh i have no idea how i'm gonna resolve that but i'm sure there's a way sure that's uh, the the bitcoin blockchain must be getting ridiculously oh, unmanageable at this point yeah, and there's there's some wallet clients that 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 uh, don't actually need them. They do some stuff server side or whatever. And uh, I've I've tried to find one that I feel I can actually <laughs> like that I feel like I can actually uh, load the wallet into. That's yeah. that's the part the problem with Bitcoin is that um, if you're not buying heroin, it's hard to yep. it's hard to get a trustworthy source. <laughs> so there's like all these applications all the time that show up and like, hey, this is a new Bitcoin wallet. Blah blah blah. Great. A lot of them are like you know they do background mining on your machine, <laughs> yep. like or steal your steal your loot and uh i don't have the time or patience to like uh be really rigorous about it so sure. uh, i'm i'm a little frankly i'm a little concerned but um uh hopefully i'll get it sorted out at some point because it, you know why not divest of my of my bitcoin investment which i didn't actually buy at any time i i legit mined all of them nice that's the way to do yeah, it with my with my trusty ati graphics card uh excellent yeah, yeah. I hear the ATI cards are more in demand for Bitcoin mining than uh, than the Nvidia ones. Actually, uh, I don't know. Um, or I guess there there are specific cards, and I think yeah, like, well, one of the any... favored ones is an ATI one. Well, there's there's two competing uh, GPU programming things. There's CUDA yeah. and there, which is the Nvidia one, right? Yeah, uh, and then there's yeah, OpenCL, so. which is what the AMD cards and ATI cards do. Yep. So depending on which technology your preferred client software is optimized for you have a benefit of using one or the other yeah so um in my case i I wasn't really all that picky it was more just to see how it all works and everything and it just so happened that i wound up i didn't ever you know i wasn't solo mining i joined a mining pool that was really what i was more interested in was how those worked yeah um just by as a byproduct of being curious by nature and also given my interest in uh in making security money. and forensics no <laughs> yeah yeah it, i know, I know. It, but yeah it's, it's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's a wrong Give, given my interest in money i was yeah, yeah given my 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 <laughs> donald trump like interest um and then, so yeah i i uh i do have this uh this slight problem where it's a lot like losing the keys to your safe deposit box yep yep <laughs> i know it's in there yeah uh, but nobody else believes me why won't they believe me <laughs> uh, but yeah we'll see how that goes Cool. Um, and, and before, technology be- as robust and reliable and capable as the Bitcoin has proven to be, um, this will be no problem for me. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, and before we move on on the, on the Comcast stuff, we should say we uh, just a teaser out there. We um, may very well have uh, up, an upcoming Comcast Business Class story to feature <laughs> on an upcoming yeah. episode. Yeah, friend of the show, John Duxta, and uh, uh, well, I don't want to tease it too much. Yeah, we're, we're, we'll. Yeah, we'll get there when we get there. Stay yes, tuned. It won't more, be today. More exciting Comcast com, uh, content coming your way on the on the Hell Yeah show. Uh-huh. So tell um, me, you've been watching movies? I watched Snowpiercer. So this is a movie that my wife says has a really dumb name. Does it have a dumb name? <laughs> I don't think the name's... Well, the premise is dumb. Oh, the premise is so dumb. Really? Oh, the premise is... I mean, the premise is what sold me on the movie. Because it's so dumb. Oh, oh no! <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the the premise is is uh, it, there's a uh, a global warming counteracting experiment that that goes terribly wrong, and um, there a weather machine involved. Yeah, I, I, more I, there's no there's chemtrails involved. 
Um, oh, nice. It liter- the movie opens with chemtrails. Not kidding. It's great. Uh, like like pictures of airplanes dumping stuff. Yeah, um, no, chem- chemtrails are the exhaust that follows airplanes around that people are convinced contains mind control chemicals, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, okay. So, so... Um, chemtrails. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so, so this, you know, um, uh, experiment goes wrong. There is global freezing... Uh, oh yeah, sure. Yeah, which is the thing, and yeah, and, fine, so, and so and uh, so. Thanks, thanks, the, Obama. The only remaining remnants of society are are people on board a train that that perpetually circles the world. Okay, that's it. That's the that's the only those are the only people left. There's a show. That's the show. That's the yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, and and so like, so why are, why are they spared? Uh, it's, I mean, these are the questions I had when I. <laughs> Just to not ask. Yeah. So, like, I mean, you know, the, you hear the premise and you just immediately start thinking, okay, wait a second. Why, why, was there, why was there this train? Why does the train have to go all the way around the world? Like, why? How does it go all the way around the world? How, yeah, around? how does it keep going? Why are there, you know, and, and there's this whole, like, class warfare thing going on on the train. So there's, like, the people in first class and the people in well, economy sure. and then the people in, like, the freeloaders in the back, right? Have, like, they got a little curtain that, that right. keeps people up. Exactly, yeah. Um <laughs> Well, it's, the gate, it's the gated community. They're the dot GOP. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and so there's this class system on the train. And it's like, well, wait a second. If if this is like the last remaining, you know, bastion of society, like, why is it not all for? Like, why, <laughs> why, why weren't all the tickets first class? Right? Like, why did why did were you, why did you let people on this for free? Um, <laughs> yeah. Why wasn't it like the Titanic? Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so there's all these. I mean, the premise is just totally ridiculous. Um, the movie is awesome, though, really, really great. Um, so it's it's uh, uh, there. It's this Korean director uh, whose name I will find in a second here. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, Bong Joon Ho. Bong Joon Ho. Um, is he from the? Is he from Best Korea or from South Korea? <laughs> he's, uh, he's he's from he's from the one where they mo- make movies that are worth seeing. Um, oh well, that, yeah. I, okay, wait. Let me <laughs> elaborate. He's he's from the one where they make uh, movies in English. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, oh my god, that reminds me. There was a this classic picture of uh, someone. There's a journalist um, who like smuggled an SD card out of North Korea. Yeah. Or, I'm sorry, Best Korea. Yeah. And the best part was this classroom. Where it's like, look at all of our students like working on this state of the art technology, and there's like you know these Tandy computers from the 1980s, yep. Yep. and they're all and they're all typing at the keyboards, but there's nothing on the screens, yep. and the guy realizes because they don't have electricity, right? Yes, so yeah, they're yes. just like face rolling keyboards. They have no like there's nothing going on. Um, yeah, the uh, uh, yeah, I remember seeing um, uh, I remember seeing something like that. Yeah, they like oh. they're super proud of their of their uh, all their computers, and none of them are plugged in. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. they might be plugged in. They might be plugged in. There's no power going through that plug. <laughs> so, yeah. So the Snowpiercer just circles the Earth, and then there's like a battle. Uh, th- many battles. A lot okay. of battles. Oh yeah, so many battles. Um, some great, great, great sequences. Um, and uh, yeah, so it and, sounds like Fight Club. It's it's like Fight Club on a train. Um, oh, this is getting better and better. <laughs> uh, anyway, it's so uh, what I was concerned about actually, right? Is you know going into this because so I, I you know I saw the premise. Actually, I first heard about this movie from an animated GIF. Um, of course, <laughs> yeah, like anything, <laughs> like anything these days. Um, <laughs> and uh, so what? I, but what I was concerned about after reading up on the movie was that it would focus too much on the people on the train. Screw those guys and their like internal drama and emotions, right? And not enough on the train. 
right? Oh yeah, this perpetual motion right. train that's yeah. orbiting Earth. Yep. And and I was uh, I was very satisfied. It, it this movie does not care about the people on the train. <laughs> <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah uh this, I mean, that's what i like to hear yeah like it's i mean you'll find uh uh there are points where it it, it sort of looks like you know it is good is trying to like there are points where you know you think you're it, the movie is going to try and convince you to care about people on the train and and just like in all cases it it becomes not important um <laughs> let me ask you this does the train have some sort of artificial intelligence uh, the train itself. Uh, well, I don't want to spoil anything, but um, well, okay. Well, don't. But yeah. Uh, but no. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, Maybe. so it's just it's it's super ridiculous. It's it's clear. Like so, the movie is, is very very well made. Like super internally consistent. Kind of everything in the world feels very well thought out and very kind of like you know detail. The director's known for being very detail oriented, right? And, and the movie you know shows that. Um, but at so the same like no time, no glaring continuity errors or anything. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you, you know, there were a couple points where I was just thinking, wait, wait a second, but uh, hmm, you know, the sort of thing you normally do with a movie of like, wait, but that doesn't make sense. And then you think through it, and it's like, oh wait, no, that all makes sense because it was all set up in this way, and like you know, and while like the whole premise is ridiculous, within that premise, it's actually really consistent. So um, the universe that they create is, uh, um, yeah, okay. is, it's logical within its own weird, twisted sense of logic, right? Got it. Um, so so anyway, uh, it's totally worth seeing. You can actually so the uh, because it was I guess it was distributed in the U.S. by the Weinstein Company, and they wanted to like mess with it. They wanted to like change the. They wanted to add a a narration over the front and end of the movie to like explain what? things. Um, in a world yeah, where right. a train goes like, around the planet. Yeah, it's it's terrible. So anyway, the, apparently the, snow. <laughs> the director basically said no. Um, and uh, and as a result, there's this like I don't know. They basically like it's not in a whole lot of theaters, and it's already available on digital services. Like you can go buy it on iTunes, or Google Play, or Amazon. Yeah, the, or the art theater in town has it. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It was playing at like three theaters in the whole Bay Area. It's it's not you know it's it's kind of hard to find. Although you can totally get it online as well. On so on, it's playing know. in the Bay Area and the Midwest. <laughs> yeah. How does that feel, Alan? Uh, that's that's the sign of a good film. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, so very, very much worth seeing. Who's living in a cornfield now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's, it's, me. it's it's great. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, Snowpiercer recommended. All right, I'll check it out. Yeah, I might even be able to to con Liz into watching it. Yeah, you should. She was just like really skeptical. She was like, "Snowpiercer sounds terrible." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I know, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yeah, you'll be surprised. You'll be pleasantly okay. surprised. Um, yeah, and then uh, I uh, spent some time last weekend watching the International Dota Two Championships. I saw that was like a big deal. It was a huge deal. It was a ten million dollar prize pool. <sighs> yeah, for playing Dota Two. It's amazing. In dollars or in Bitcoin? In dollars. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, the the team that won was from uh, China, so so well. Um, so, <laughs> um, uh, that's serious. That's that's intense. Yeah, yeah. How um, big were the teams? How many people per team? Uh, five people. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Good for um, them. Yeah, I know. I know. I mean, you know, there there are managers and and coaches and you know, <laughs> a 
like whatever. I mean, there are other people involved that get a cut of the money, so it's not you know it's not just those five people. But they're probably sponsors uh, too, right? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, they're like they actually typically. I mean, when they're you know not most tournaments aren't ten million dollars. I think you know what from what I've heard for the most part, people who are professional you know esports competitors uh, make most of their money from sponsorships. Yeah. So. Mm. Um, uh, Anyway, yeah, so it was it was really fun to watch. Um, like uh, I, um, how much of it did you watch? I watched uh, the last two days of it. Um, so so it was uh, well so it's been going on for weeks, like with the qualifiers and everything. But the main event has been, uh, I guess it was it was Friday, Saturday, Sunday for sure, and maybe some stuff on Thursday too. Um, or no, sorry, sorry, it was uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. The finals were on Monday. Um, and so I, I watched uh, all of well most of Sunday and and all of Monday. Um, they've got you know you, you can actually go to if you just search for the international Valve has up on their site um, a spoiler free replay mode so you can actually like kind of watch the entire broadcast from the beginning um, or just watch individual games. It's really they like they do a good job with organizing that stuff. So huh. uh, anyway, so. Um, uh, I found it very, very enjoyable to watch. Like it's, there were some fantastic games. The commentary was great. The the production was great. You know, they did a really good job, sort of um, making it feel uh, highly legitimate <laughs> and entertaining. <laughs> you know, um, like the, you know, the very professional that, that kind set. Of commentary is hard to do. Yeah, oh yeah, it, like the, more and, so than like athletic stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, I. Uh, can't imagine keeping track of you know the the like the five players and where they are at any given time all the items that they're equipped with and using like all the abilities that they're using i mean there are there are a hundred plus characters you can play in dota 2 right and yeah and so the commentators need to be need to know all of those characters abilities and be able to like see them on the fly and comment on them right it's it's really nuts so there's a guy. There's a couple people that make uh, the Last of Us uh, gameplay videos. Yeah, and when they have like uh, uh, little tournaments and stuff, like they'll take some combined footage. And there's one guy in particular. And now, for some reason, I'm blanking on his name. But uh, there's one guy in particular that just does a phenomenal job. And I, I sent him a message, um, just as like a sidebar. I was like, "You are really, really good at this." <laughs> and I was like, "You should seriously." Uh, consider uh looking into making this like some sort of a of a job not necessarily this game or anything but like doing that sort of thing and he's like oh i'm all over it like this is totally what i want to do yeah and uh like, i mean it's so funny because anyone that can actually make that sort of thing like uh uh entertaining for people that do, like cause i don't know dota 2 yeah do you think i could like watch some of this coverage and actually feel like i was um, understanding what's going on or is it still kind it, of inside baseball it would take a few games for sure but after a few games i mean you know you could probably start to understand it helps if you've played you know a, at least a similar game and you have played heroes of the storms i, I think right i played dota 2 oh you played okay yeah so, so I, I, mean, have, I mean i couldn't tell you much about it no no i mean i you know i don't know that much about it either although i actually have been playing it uh quite a bit in the past uh, uh like after you know i'll tell you what i have played is a metric ass load of warcraft 3 <laughs> which had like sure. a lot of spots, yeah which right? was yeah. i mean well that was the where the original dota was yeah yeah um so uh yeah so it, it is it, you can definitely follow along with it uh, there is a they provide a separate stream that has uh uh you know new player commentary so they oh. they sort of yeah they will they will explain things as opposed to using a bunch of jargon and you know and and oh, not good explaining things yeah so so you can always tune into that and get a more you know um new player oriented 
take on things. So that's really cool. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, yeah. I'm not just saying that. I think I'm actually <laughs> gonna check it out. Cool. Yeah. No. It's yeah. You can, as I said, you can actually watch the entire broadcast. You know, each day's broadcast. You know, start to finish, which I recommend because it's really cool seeing all the production. And they actually have a there's a, a local Seattle news reporter um, who. Uh, uh, I mean, I think like she doesn't normally report on gaming stuff at all. Um, but uh, they got her to to you know last last international they got her to do the kind of like sideline sort of interviews and you know crowd interviews and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, and you know, so she's out there like interviewing the crowd and asking them about you know what you know what they think is, is you know their opinions on things. Um, and they've got you know commentators set up in in a um in a set, you know, in, in the, in the middle of the stadium and they've got the stage with the, with the booze, with the players in them. Like it's a really, it's, it is a, um, very professional, like more of a production than, than a lot of minor sports. Right. So, um, yeah, pretty great. Mm. And, uh, then, uh, next Ramos is out for Hearthstone. So tell me about this. Cause I haven't, I saw the, the note come through, but I haven't, yeah. It so it's um so this is the long awaited uh kind of single player campaign uh type of uh uh addition to Hearthstone. Nice. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a pretty cool thing. Um and there's a bunch of new cards uh, uh that are part of it as well. So it's kind of a, a progressive single player rather than just the ad hoc computer opponent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's actually okay. I mean you're you are defeating the bosses of Naxxramas in order, you know, by by uh, uh quadrant, right? Uh, or quarter. Um so, uh, it, yeah, like it, if you it, if you defeat Patchwork, does your feral tank that couldn't make it that night get mad at you? Because that happened to me. Yeah, uh, no, no, uh, well, I think that's that's the story you got to write your own on on the side on your own. Yeah, um, it's uh, it, so they 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 released the Arachnid Quarter um, uh, earlier this week. Um, okay, you can you can work through a couple bosses there. Um, I found the non-heroic mode to be pretty easy. Like I defeated every um, opponent on the first try. Yeah, um, because <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm just so good. Um, but so no, I, like, I, I mean, I, you know, it 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 didn't seem um, uh, there was there was some tricky stuff, but like it it you know wasn't crushingly difficult. I've not tried the heroic mode yet. I hear that's significantly harder. So um, so we'll see how that goes. But um, yeah, it's a it's a cool thing, um, and it's. Uh, uh, right now, I believe you get the first wing for free. Uh, I could be wrong about that, but you can buy all four wings for the discounted price of twenty dollars right now. So, um, mm. yeah, or or you can actually buy them with in-game gold as well. If you've been stocking up a bunch of Hearthstone gold, um, you can buy them with that. So, do you remember um, uh, one of the people in Guild with us, and we know uh, his uh, name was Ninsun? Yeah. Did I ever tell you the story about how <laughs> he completely blew a mortal for us on Melganis? No, <laughs> it's kind of a funny story. But yeah. I don't know if it's if it's show worthy. But yeah, we were uh, doing achievement farming in in uh, twenty five man Nax, and uh, uh-huh. that was at, at the very last encounter. He was like absent minded about something and uh, wound up. Wound up wiping the raid on the very <laughs> and it was oh, like the easiest wait, fight. I you might have been there. No, no, no. Was I not there? No, it was on Malganus. Okay. Oh, oh, on Mal- oh, on the um, right on yeah. the other server. Because he he sort yeah. of transferred and joined uh, uh, the group I was playing. with. Oh, got it. Okay, okay. Because I remember. Uh, I don't know. I remember something like that. I don't remember if Ninsen or not, but 
Well, no, yeah. that kind of thing happens all the time, and we know. Yeah, yeah, okay, you're right. Yes. <laughs> it was unforgivable. I'm okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah, and then uh, and then just last thing, uh, Divinity: Original Sin. I haven't played that much of it, but it's been getting a lot of hype recently. Um, it's a, it was a kickstarted game. Um, it's a sort of old school RPG, you know, um, isometric view, sort of like Baldur's Gate or Icewind Dale or you know that sort of stuff. Um, and uh, it, uh, really well done, like very well thought out, very um, uh, so dense, so like every there's detail in every little piece of the environment. Um, so uh, yeah, cool thing, but I haven't gotten that far into it. So, uh, what platform is that on? Uh, PC right now. I, I don't, and I don't. I doubt it. Was, well, maybe it's coming to other stuff. Maybe Who iPad cares? or something. But did you see that uh, yeah. faster FTL is out on iOS now? Uh, yes, I heard about that. Oh. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> it's a good time. Yeah. All right. PSAs. Oh yeah. Okay, we got a couple. Yeah. Uh, canvas fingerprinting in browsers. How much time do we have? Uh, we got uh, 15 minutes left. Okay. Uh, so canvas fingerprinting <clears throat> for people who are uh, concerned about privacy on the web and do things like install browser extensions and disable cookies and disable JavaScript, et cetera, et cetera. Uh-huh. Um, there's a paper coming up. Uh, a couple of researchers have found this thing called canvas fingerprinting that uh, in lieu of using um, flash cookies or normal browser cookies to help identify people because so many people kind of opt out of that. Um, they're doing this thing called canvas fingerprinting, which tells essentially sends an instructor an instruction to the browser to say, figure out this image and draw something for me. And then it retains that and uses it as a unique identifier. Mm-hmm. And it all kind of happens behind the scenes. And it's a problem because uh, a lot of people were using it and didn't even know they were using it. Because um, a very popular um, sharing service called Add This, uh-huh. um, which is present on a lot of websites, uh, they were doing it. Great. Yeah. Wow. So, um, yeah. And uh, uh, there were a lot of people that used that service to push you know, really nice share buttons with uh, some sort of metrics and reporting on how often articles get shared and where and things like that. And one of the ways that they were uh, gathering that sort of information is by using these uh, canvas fingerprints Um, and every browser, like this is not just a identify the vicinity. This is an actual like unique identifier for, we know that it's this person Uh essentially because it's, you know, that particular browser on that computer at that operating system, it's everything. I mean, it's, it is a, it's a, Cutting down on the ability of websites to do that is a major, you know, concern among browser makers for sure. It is essentially as good as having the MAC address. Um, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's um, it's that good. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there's um, a little bit of discussion on uh, what's going to happen there. And I guess, well, you know, I have an opinion on that, but um, <laughs> I don't know what the uh, how it's going to be addressed um, because it's it's actually been around for a little while. In terms of, uh, I think it was uh, Panopticlick at uh, EFF. Didn't they have like a thing about this a while back? Well, I mean, there's, or, all right, yeah, I, I don't remember. Well, I, oh, yeah. So here, here's here's the issue: is that the issue of a browser fingerprint um, has been a known thing for sure. quite a while, but yeah, this that, particular yeah. canvas uh, fingerprinting thing is much more specific and also um, actually in use. You know, like yep, yep. there's you know someone who is uh, actively employing it as a way to uh, gather metrics about their users so yeah and then the other news um i'd like to say that apple is probably not using backdoors on ios to spy on you oh wow 
Yeah, who knew? That's 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 so nice of them. Yeah, there's a uh, there's a a guy who does some research and he's in my field and he's pretty well regarded and does a lot of forensic stuff and he put out some uh, information this week, including a slide deck with some notes and it was, in my opinion, um, it was somewhat alarmist in that a lot of the you know I'm just asking questions type thing that was uh, going on were a little obvious I think um, huh. and not malicious. So, like, you know, uh, why does every device have this packet capture utility installed? Like, why is that necessary? And I'm thinking to myself, like, have you ever gone to the usage calculator? Yeah. That's why. Yeah. You know, like, everything that I thought has a pretty easy and reasonable explanation was being called into question. Like, you know, why is this? You know, and uh, um, I don't know. So there's a lot of stuff that uh, wasn't necessarily all that exciting to me. Um, some of the stuff that was raised were things that are always going to be an issue for someone that has physical possession of a device. Um, sure. So while different attack methods um, for recovering forensic images is interesting uh, from a research and academic standpoint on my part, um, having physical possession of a device makes Pretty everything much. easier. Yep. Um, especially when you have attacks that use things like uh, uh, direct memory access over you know, Thunderbolt, Firewire, yep. and I think some USB implementations. There's, there's a lot of ways that you can actually hitch a hardware gizmo up to a computer and dump the contents of memory even if it's been you know, locked or whatever. So yeah. there's stuff like that that always is present when you have physical access. And my opinion and my position, I don't think I've ever wavered from this, is that there is very little effort that I am willing to expend on protecting something that is in the hands of somebody else. Yeah. You know, like there's a lot of things that I will do uh, to limit exposure from the outside. There's a lot of things that I am all in favor of supporting uh, effort for um, regarding how interconnected systems communicate with one another and transfer and handle data, um, where stuff gets cached, where things get left. I mean, I'm, I'll do that. No problem. But when yeah. it comes to, we've got to figure out a way to stop someone that has the device, then they've taken it from you and they have, unlimited access to it from doing something i'm like you know what are you gonna do yeah and that's kind of uh where we're at with this i think so uh, there's a couple of links in the show notes one is the slide deck um the other one is uh one of the f- many follow-up articles um what was funny is that apple very quickly had three support documents out right away about <laughs> this and they were like here's why this stuff is there and here's what it's used for and here's wow. what we do with it and oh yeah they were that's, johnny that's, on the spot that is really impressive huh which kind of made me question like the whole like i reported this issues to apple over and over again and they never you know yeah i reported this to tim cook and i'm like first of all you're a dude <laughs> you know in, in a shack sending yeah. emails to tim cook like yep. come on yeah um there's <laughs> he probably gets a little bit of email yeah right remember, so remember I'm, back in the day when steve jobs used to reply to random emails uh yeah remember and i think stuff? tim cook does too oh does he yeah yeah huh um wow. i don't remember if i ever got a response from steve but i sent him a couple of emails a couple of times yeah i did too i i sent him an email uh <laughs> early days of the app store when we start in the, when it like clut it started getting cluttered with you know stuff like junk um, yeah i sent him an email about like hey this is getting bad um, oh they're gonna start clamping down again too and i can't wait really there's a lot though they have to because yeah they uh, they changed the uh, terms and conditions recently so that um, basically applications that just like put you into a referral loop uh-huh. where you are essentially just generating revenue by hopping through hoops for uh-huh. other people. Great. They're like, yeah, that 
that stuff is uh, that's, that's kind of lo-fi. We don't want that. That's yeah, sure. that's perfectly suitable suitable for the Google Play Store. <laughs> <laughs> Go do it there. Hey, but, it's, it's an open <laughs> model, man. You can do whatever you want. Uh, but um, I think uh, uh, there's I I see stuff like that from time to time, and I'm like, your days are numbered. Yeah. Like I think uh, iOS 8 and some of the new uh, store stuff. I think uh, there's a lot of that's going to get thrown out again, and sure. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. Yep. What they have like uh, was it last year? They paid out like over five billion dollars to their developers. Uh, oh, I I hadn't heard that. Wow. Yeah, their earnings that call is, was uh, two days ago, I think, or that's one day pretty ago. Impressive. Yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah. That's that's like probably <laughs> greater than GDP of some countries. I don't know. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, yeah. no, don't no offense, but uh, it was. I want to say. Was it three or three or four times the amount that other competing app stores have <laughs> generated ever? So. Oh, you mean you mean the Amazon Fire Store? Oh yes, yeah. that. <laughs> okay, just yeah. just be clear on that. All right. Yep, yep no problem. Yep. And uh, so yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. I think, um, and a lot of that is seriously like market confusion. I think like if I were an Android user and. I had to install or do anything to get some other store. I'm out. Yeah. You know, like I want to go to the Google, the Google play store and that's it. Yeah. That's all I ever want to do. If I'm, if I'm an Android user, there's not a chance I want to go hopping through other hoops and whatever. (laughs) I think that's terrible. That's like back in the old days where, um, the carriers had captive web portals that you had to go to, to buy ringtones. And like, that's, that's that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure it's not, and I'm sure it's better than that and whatever, but that's my association. And I'm like, all right, Sounds great. Um, so we were talking not too long ago about text editors. Yes, we were. <laughs> you were saying <clears throat> I have I have very uninformed but but uh, concrete opinions about text editors. That's fine. Everyone that's, <laughs> that's everyone that has an opinion about a text editor. <laughs> yep. <has the> exact <laughs> same, uh, position. Um, and you were saying that uh, in particular, one thing you were griping about is that TextMate the undo function is like one character at a time. And I'm pleased to say that in TextMate two, at least. Um, when you do an undo, it's a lot more substantial than that. So huh. if you do like a change, it treats them as a change. Um, so that's kind of cool. Um, but I started using Vim again. Like I just found myself like naturally there was, I can't remember what it was, but I've been using Adam and TextMate a lot. Mm-hmm. And there's a particular reason that I wasn't really digging Sublime Text. And I don't remember what it was, but um, so it can't be that big of a deal, but whatever <laughs> it is. But um, I find Vim to be very convenient and I'm not one of those, um, like, uh, I don't know, like, I, I don't have, like, a compulsion for it. And, yeah. and it's not something that I've really invested that much effort into. Um, and I'm certainly not one of those guys that knows that, like, you know, you can just swap two words by doing colon 23 backslash <laughs> space uh, colon 25 percent oh, yeah. sign. Oh, you know, yeah. All that's the time. Yeah. That's not me. But what I can do very easily in Vim is uh, navigate a document. I yep. can hop around, I can use select modes, I can yep. easily yank and duplicate text, and that's really what I'm doing in a text editor. So um, I do a lot of like my journal entries and stuff are written in Vim, or a text editor, I should say. Um, there's a couple things about Vim that are terrible. I would never say to somebody, like, you got to use Vim. <laughs> if, if they didn't already really like it, yeah, it's not the kind of thing that I would drop on somebody. So I, I, I like it a lot. I, I mean, I used it throughout college for... Uh, for you. A a lot of uh you know of of computer science projects, um, 
uh, it was. I mean, it was just. It was the most convenient way to like. We had a bunch of stuff on the, um, you know, the the shared computing environment, and you'd SSH into that and do your project. You know. Um, yeah, and there's a lot of things about it that the, the things that make it the most convenient are also some of the things that make it suck. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know. It's it's uh, everything's got to be monospace. Yeah, no real yeah. flexibility there. The uh, it's very reliant on terminal settings for how things look. Yeah, um, the plugin slash bundle, you know, extending that editor is absolutely prehistoric. Really. Oh, it's terrible. And like, there's a uh, this thing called VimScript that things use for like stuff like that. And what most people do nowadays is um, learn just enough VimScript to like break out into Python or something else that's <laughs> useful. Um, because VimScript is really archaic and doesn't make a lot of sense. And I don't know. There's there's a ton of stuff about it that are really hugely difficult. Um, there are still people like actively passionate about it though, um, and it's very quick. Um, oh yeah, and I've even got like a little handy. Uh, I made a service for OS X, so like if I'm in a text field in a web browser, I just hit uh, Command Shift E, and it takes whatever my uh, text window is and opens it up in a Vim buffer, and I can work on it. Um, so here's here's of, the important question, though. Yeah, color scheme. I use one of the base sixteen. Oh, uh, Desert dot Vim <laughs> is where it's at. That's pretty classic. Desert is amazing. I love Desert. If you ever used uh, the common desktop environment, the CDE windowing system for Solaris or HPUX, or I, I can't say I did. <laughs> yeah, um, one of the CDE color themes was uh, was Desert-like, and it fit right in with that. Nice. So yeah. I, I, I have I have used it before, but um, yeah, it's like, uh, and I use this like little terminal multiplexer all the time called Tmux, and I'll I could do a whole show on that. But yeah. there's there's a lot of things about Vim that are great. Um, so in terms of like uh, new tricks. Um, there's a couple of things that I've, uh, in particular, found delightful lately. One is Evervim. And okay. What Evervim does. Ev- Evernote and Vim? Yes. Great. Uh, very good. How, how did you guess? Idea. What it does is uh, it lets you connect to your Evernote account in Vim and edit stuff in Markdown. Okay. That, yeah, and that could work. It actually works very that well. Might, yeah, that might work. Yeah. And uh, the guy that wrote it, I believe he is Japanese, and uh, it doesn't get a lot of active development, but it doesn't really need it either because it's so simple. Yeah. Um, it does need Python and uh, a Markdown module that it uses, um, and that's pretty much it. You have to go to Evernote, and you get it like a developer uh, token, and you're good to go. Um, and you can open and search and browse and retrieve Evernote stuff in real time, and it's using Evernote's web service and I mean, it's actually really cool. And uh, I use a little command line utility called Journal, Uh J-R-N-L. And I use that for just uh, somewhat fancier um, additions into day one, which is my my software I use for journaling. And there's also a couple of really slick hooks uh, inside of Vim. So I can be... I can open a buffer in Vim and like type a note in Markdown, and then I can just uh, punt that guy into uh, um, an Evernote note or into a journal entry in day one, and it's beautiful and looks great and that's really cool and that's the kind of thing that i like where there's very minimal friction in terms of like i gotta do this yeah you know like how i have to put the show notes into the google document and it always looks <laughs> like crap it's nothing like that happens when i'm doing that I, and okay. then there's this other thing called minion which is really cool and uh, what minion does is it's kind of uh for they say it's for reminders but really you can just create like any arbitrary text note and it dumps it into a directory and then 
Um, you can very easily retrieve them later and browse them. And it's kind of like having your own little private um, store of, of notes. And while that's not in and of itself interesting, uh, you can interact with Minion through Vim um, and do things like while you're working on something, add a to-do, and it will do things like you can insert the current file and like well, the line number that you're at. There's, there's yeah. a lot of really cool things you can do with that. Um, most of what I do in Vim is like editing markdown text, yeah. um, the odd source code repository that I'm browsing and editing, and uh, writing firewall rules. So that's pretty much what I'm doing with it, and that's really what I do. So yeah, sure. <laughs> it works very well for that. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty slick. It's definitely not as uh, beautiful as Sublime and TextMate and even BB Edit, um, which isn't really widely known for being gorgeous, but. Um, it's uh, it is what it is. It's a it's a functional, reasonable car that has uh, never failed you once. That's that's the best kind of car. Yeah, well, arguably. Yeah, yeah arguably. Um, very rare that it gets you girls. I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, more than Emacs does. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, because everyone that uses Emacs talks with a list. <laughs> <laughs> is that a that's a great joke because I'm, Max is, uses Lisp as the programming language. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. see? Yeah, yeah. See? Um there's like three people on the planet that just laughed when when I said that. <laughs> and that's that's all of them. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. Um I I knew, I knew someone who swore by uh J Max. Um Oh, I know uh, Jason Wright, one of the uh, people I worked with at NetSec, and uh, he's an OpenBSD developer. Yeah. He did everything in Emacs. And I mean, people that use Emacs do everything with Emacs. Yeah. This guy did everything with Emacs. He <laughs> used the Emacs mail client. He used the Emacs <laughs> editing suite. He used an Emacs web browser. He used an Emacs everything. <laughs> the guy was a machine. And yeah. I have never seen anyone type Control-X, Control-S so fast. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's the only, that's the only reason I never learned it was that I found it frustrating with yeah. all the key bindings. Oh, yeah, just a little bit. Yep. <laughs> it has the most beautiful icon of any text editor on OS X, though. Does it really? Oh, yeah, the GUI, the, the Lucid Emacs for OS X has a gorgeous icon. Oh, yeah, I'm looking at it now. Huh. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. Um, I find it very striking. Uh, cool. All right. Well, uh, I think I think the Vim icon's kind of cool though, too. For yeah, it's not it's not bad. I'm not saying it's, it's not terrible or anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So uh, yeah, that uh, we're out of time. So. Um, oh. Yeah, but you know, interesting stuff to come on future shows. More Comcast oh, yeah. talk. Uh, probably some talk about. <coughs> whoa. Whoa. Um, <laughs> man, we better end the show. I'm. Uh, um, Thanks a lot, thicker. California. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, some talk about uh, what looks to be a VHS conversion. Um, so, stay tuned for exciting times. Um, other than that, though, that'll do it for this episode of the Hell Yeah Show. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do so. We are at show at uh, You can also visit us on the web at show you can find us on the Twitter machines and it's a tweet at Hell Yeah Show. You can also find us on app.net and Google+. All right. Very good. And with that, uh, we will see you in about two weeks. Why don't you want fastest internet? <laughs>